Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Where in the word are you today? All right, I mean, you know, look around and you can answer the where in the world question. But let's uh, also seek to answer the where in the word question. So where in the word are you today? After last night's uh, memorial service and moment of silence observing the deaths of our fellow Americans Um, Not only to COVID, but for those of us who are sensitive to the fact that millions of Americans um, died from all kinds of causes in the last uh, in the last year. For those of us who grieve the deaths of those not even counted um, by the CDC, those those human lives taken as a consequence of abortion. I mean, the list of of reasons to grieve causes to grieve. Specifically grief that's associated with physical death. I mean, there are many. There are too many to count, in fact, and yet the God and yet God counts them all. The Lord accounts for each and every one of those precious people. He knows the number of hairs on their heads. Um, he allotted their days. I mean, He knows them full. He knows them fully. And so I thought that uh, today maybe we would just revisit the twenty-third Psalm and let the Word of God tend to the needs of our hearts uh, wherever we find ourselves today in the Valley of the Shadow. Maybe you are just now entering the valley of the shadow with a person who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness or is in the final days or stages um, of a terminal illness. Maybe you um, are a person who is is deep in the valley of the shadow and wondering whether or not, wondering whether or not um, the shepherd is there to lead you out, whether or not the light is real, whether or not the comfort is available, whether or not there is a way out of the grief you are um, you are deep in today. Um, so hear the words of Psalm 23. These are um, words that have been proven true over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And they remain true today because they bear witness and testimony to the one who is true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we come back, uh, Justin Gibney will be here from the AND Campaign. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 
Joining us again today, Justin Gibney from the AND campaign. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Carmen. Glad to be here. So um, yesterday we had Lamar Hardwick on. If you don't already know him, he is he's somewhere down in the Atlanta region. Um, he was just a total blessing to us. We loved talking with him. Next, um, in the in the bottom half of this hour, we're going to talk with Pastor Anthony Carter. I just I I'm I know I know it's shameful. I'm just discovering a ton of black pastors out there who are such a blessing, um, and they're they're being published and and then they're being pressed out, which is why um, you know I'm being alerted to them. But I just wanted to celebrate that, even though. Um, Sometimes maybe we wonder whether or not uh, there there are voices that are being listened to across racial boundaries. Um, I just wanted to celebrate that we're hearing from some really awesome, extraordinary, amazing black pastors. And it just feels like the black church is kind of having a moment. Yeah, no need to wonder. I mean, there are a lot of uh, black pastors and, and folks in ministry who are doing really good work. Uh, and I'm just uh, I'm glad that you're seeking them out. I'm glad that you're giving them a platform to be heard because there's so much that can be learned uh, across racial lines. Uh, there's so many folks who are striving to be biblical, even within their context. And we really just need to make the es- extra effort like you are, Carmen, to to get exposed to those different voices and, and learn what we can. Oh, I'm I'm totally blessed. So blessed. All right. So. Um, you and I have read um, some of the same research that the Pew Forum has just put out and talks about faith among black Americans. Why don't you why don't you brief us in on that? Yeah, so Pew did some really good research just on kind of the state of faith in, uh, in um, among black people. Uh, it looked a lot at, you know, uh, how many go to church and uh, how often, what churches do they go to uh, and, and what happens in those churches. And, and we know there is a, a serious divide when it comes to the church in general. Uh, as Martin Luther King said, that's one of the most uh, divided hours uh, of our nation. And you just get a, a kind of, of a view of why African-Americans may go to black churches, why some younger people are going to more uh, diverse churches. And then we also see a trend that's just a trend in uh, Christianity in general, where younger people aren't going as much. So I think there's some things that are promising, a lot of good information that I think we can learn from about what people are getting from different kind of context and different congregations, but also what we might need to do as a whole in the church in America to really uh, get some of these young people back in the church and make sure that we're sticking to, 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 to the Bible. So the the lead um, here at Pew Forum, for those of you who are looking for it, um, most black worshipers attend predominantly black congregations and see a role for religion in fighting racial injustice. My guess is, uh, Justin, that actually uh, that could be expanded to say, um, see a role for religion in the public square. Yeah, I think you could say that. I mean, it, you know, it, it talks about hearing about race and justice in sermons. Uh, and so mm-hmm. you see that one of the reasons that people go is not just because of the color of the skin of the, the preacher, but actually the substance of the sermon. And I think we all know that we should be preaching the the whole counsel of God. And mm-hmm. to hear a race spoken about, to hear a conversation about justice especially, I think is part of that whole counsel. I think it's about applying uh, the whole counsel of God to what's going on today. And so those things shouldn't necessarily control, and I'm very slow to tell uh, any pastor what they have to preach on. That's not uh, my job. 
But certainly you would think that some of those themes would come up in conversations because they're such a big uh, issue today. And people need to know how to look at politics and look at justice from a biblical point of view. I've said it over and over again that young people are searching for a conception of justice. Either they can get it from secular society or they can get it from church and they can get it from the Bible because it's there. The question is whether or not we're willing to um, expound on that. Um, so I was I was on a uh, a phone call that um, or a video call or whatever they're doing the the office of uh, what used to be called faith um, outreach now called um, just partnerships the partnerships office um, for the White House um, when you when you talk about telling people what to preach and how reticent you would be to do to do such um, they don't seem reticent at all I mean they want black preachers. Uh, talking about people being vaccinated and they want to use those um, community outlets to to make and see that happen. Um, I'm very uncomfortable with that, just hearing it like as kind of as a directive. Um, and and I just I guess I wonder how um, black community, how do you think black communities are going to hear that when it does sound like a pretty political, straight up political message. I mean, the Bible does not have a lot to say about vaccines. Um, yeah. So I guess that would be my thing. Are we are we are we preaching the Bible or are we at some points like right on the edge of preaching a political agenda? Well, there's two things. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't let anybody in government tell me what to preach. Uh, and so I don't necessarily think that should guide what's said in the pulpit during the sermon. However, there also, you know, are things that, that pastors do outside of the pulpit, or they may say just in the announcements or things of that nature. And so there's information. Or wear their little, yeah, or, or like just like wearing my little I got vaccinated. Like, right, that's a testimony yeah, I mean, for something yeah, that you yeah, did, so but it's not. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, there are ways that pastors can pass along that information, encourage people to, to care about their health. Because the, the thing that's going on here, too, is we know that the African-American community suffered a lot worse than other communities when it came to COVID and the mm-hmm. rates that we were dying of COVID. So it's a major concern within the black community. I, I see reason that a black pastor would be worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe it would go into a sermon. I, I don't I don't I don't know. You know, possibly that could happen. But I think the better place for that is as a pastor being a leader just in more general circumstances. Those are messages that you can pass along, whether it be, you know, before service starts in the announcements uh, or just in your communication uh, during the week. There are ways to do that that doesn't isn't you kind of taking what the government is telling you to put in your sermon. Yeah, I, I'd stay away from that personally. But there are other ways to communicate that information, which is important information, um, and, and let kind of people decide on their own from there. Absolutely. All right. I'm talking with Justin Gibney from the AND campaign. When we get back from a very brief break, I'm going to ask him to uh, kind of walk us around in and comment on the new PBS series on the black church. We'll be right back. Today, I'm hungry and I'm ready for change. I run too far to still be the same. Continuing my conversation with Justin Gibney from the AND campaign. Um, Justin, the PBS series, The Black Church, lots of folks like watching it and then tweeting in real time and then lots of folks giving comment and commentary um, as episodes drop. Tell me what your um, what your sense of it is and some of your takeaways. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of good there. I think it's overdue. You know, the the black Mm -hmm. church is one of the greatest institutions that you'll see in America. I mean, this is a church that was created during slavery, 
was what E. Franklin Frazier called the invisible institution, which was which meant that, you know, they weren't really supposed to meet. They weren't really supposed to come together, but they did it anyway. They weren't really supposed to know the real gospel and read it for themselves. They had been given kind of a, uh, a distorted version. But somehow, right, I would say through the Holy Spirit, they were still able to, to, to see themselves in the Bible. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a lot of, of good in that in that documentary. And I'm glad that it touched on just the power that the church uh, had within the community, how it was really a way of us surviving through some of the hardest times uh, within this country. It was the church at the center of that, at the center of, of our community, socially, uh, politically, economically, and so on. That institution has meant so much to us. So I was very happy that the, the conversation was broached and that somebody kind of dug in to what was going on. It was a, it was a two night thing. So there's two different episodes. Uh, had some really good interviews, some some conversations. Uh, one thing I think uh, was a little bit different is that it, it did come from very much an academic perspective, and I think there's a little bit of a of a gap between kind of where the academy is on some of this stuff and where kind of the, the more grassroots church uh, is um, on some of the theological issues. But in general, I think somebody can learn a lot from the history of, of the black church. Uh, I might not agree with all the, the theology that was applied in the uh, in the documentary, but there's a lot there to, to chew on and to learn from. Um, when you when you just think about your own experience in church, um, you have worshipped in churches that are predominantly black, and you have worshipped in churches that are predominantly white. Yes. Oh and yeah. Like, at least sure. at least experience that. So yep. just in terms of your own experience, because I am I'm willing to bet, Justin, there are people listening right now who have never worshipped in a predominantly black church. Um, and so maybe, you know, pull back the curtain uh, and 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 help people um, see and experience something that they have never seen and experienced and maybe invite them in. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing, and, and you know this, is that it's not a monolith. So it, it depends on what black church you <laughs> totally go to, right? right? Uh, right. You could go to African-American Methodist church that might be a little more conservative in their worship. You can go to a Pentecostal church that obviously be uh, less conservative in, in, in their worship. And so it depends It depends on, on what you go, but on where you go. Um, but in, in many cases, again, you are going to see kind of the application. You are going to see the Bible apply to social situations that are, are uh, impacting African-Americans. Uh, you're going to see, you know, a choir that may sing songs that are more tied to kind of the, uh, you know, the kind of black gospel tradition. You're going to see preaching uh, where in many cases there, there's going to be call and response. So as the preacher says something, uh, there's an interaction between uh, the, the the preacher and the congregation as you continue through the sermon. These are all things that are kind of part of the African-American church. Again, to what extent depends on what church you go to. But it, it's it's a good experience. But I mean, I, I think whenever you go to a church, you know, you don't just go to kind of look around and, and just observe. You go to be a part of it. All right. So, you know, I wouldn't go in kind of like, well, this is great, you know, just kind of looking around, but say, how can I really engage this and and and, and feel what they're feeling and, and be part of the true fellowship rather than just kind of an observer? So if the um, if the preacher doesn't take me up the ladder, like, right, I'm surprised if I've been to a black church and and that preacher does not like like you. There is a there is a. um. Yeah, it's just a style to it, um, and it is experiential. And if you allow yourself to be drawn in, it is, it is pretty awesome. I am a huge fan of call and response. Um, I, uh, I, I have been known to um, 
<clears throat> interpret heckling from the back of a room as sort of uh, call and response in the African American, you know, tradition of things. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm, I would love it if if I were in a church where that were uh, acknowledged as appropriate. But I'm not, I'm not in a church like that. So, um, I just, uh, I want to celebrate it, and I want to invite people in and I want to and I want to remove any layer or level of fear that people might have um, just going to visit this next Sunday just go visit a predominantly black church um, trust me when I tell you you'll be received with open arms you'll be welcomed in ask questions tell people you don't know what the rhythm is go ahead and confess it's, it's my first time um, I need some direction is there a bulletin what book do we use is there a hymnal or where do I see the words or can I sit with you just ask somebody um, somebody's just going to take you under wing and um, and you'll just be enfolded right in. And trust me when I tell you, as Justin has said, if you allow yourself, you're going to have a great worship experience. Um, and, it, and it's going to be different than what you've experienced before, but it will be glorious. And it's a good thing to do. It's Black History Month. It's a good thing to do, um, if you, certainly if you've never done it before. How's that, Justin, for an, an appeal? Yeah, it's a, rich, it's a rich tradition. And I would just keep in mind that a lot of these churches— uh, could use your help too. Uh, could mm. you know? Could use the kind of no strings attached support uh, because they're in uh, low income communities. Not always, but in, in some cases. And so, look for opportunities where you can be helpful uh, as well. Yeah, remind us. Remind us about the churches helping churches. Yes, you can go to churchrelief.org where we are trying to hurt, help churches in low income areas. This is the Churches Helping Churches Challenge. A lot of these uh, churches really suffered during COVID, and we're trying to make sure that they can survive through this period. If we want the church to grow, if we want these areas to be strong, we got to help the churches in these low income areas survive. And the AND campaign and many of our partners have been uh, very serious about doing that. All right. So that website is churchrelief.org. Justin, we have a listener who has um, texted in and said, well, I'm worried that I would seem like a tourist if I go to a black church. Um, no. Like they wanna... yeah, I, I just, Don't I just go as a tourist, right? Don't go as a tourist. Yeah. Right. yeah. It, it depends. I mean, I posture. guess if you're going to go as a tourist, go in the middle of the week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't go as a tourist in the service. I think that at that right. point, you know, it becomes something very different. Uh, but if if you go kind of with your heart set on worship, your heart set on understanding and learning, uh, you'll be you'll be okay. I think there's grace there's grace there, and so you'll go usually go into a church where there's a, there's a level of grace. But if you don't go in with the attitude or posture of to, of a tourist, uh, you should be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And check it out online first. I mean, pretty much everybody has got some expression of what they're doing online, and so you maybe let your tourism be online, and then when you go in person, you'll be more prepared and ready. Um, you know, gen genuine expectation of sharing in worship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Justin, as always, thank you so much. Um, always a joy to be with you. Always, Carmen. You take care. You too. That's Justin Gibney. You can find him at The And Campaign. We want to encourage you to check out churchrelief.org if you want to do something good for your neighbor today. We'll be right back. All right. I love your heart. Um, I love the heart that you're expressing on the text line this morning. Uh, I love our openness and our desire to be knit together as a people of God in the world today. I love the desire to um, find ways to be worshiping together and serving together in real community. So keep those, um, keep those questions and comments coming. 
Pastor Anthony Carter is up next. Uh, he uh, has co-written a book called Dying to Speak, Meditations from the Cross. Anthony is a pastor of a very vibrant African-American, predominantly African-American congregation um, in Atlanta. Um, and this is a book that is going to really help us walk not only in the season of Lent, but understand what Jesus actually accomplished on our behalf on Good Friday. Dying to Speak, up next with Anthony Carter. If you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. This is Max Locato. Your serenity matters to heaven, and God guarantees he will guard you. Separating you from evil is God, your guardian. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings, Psalm 91 and verse 4. From how many winds is God protecting you? His wing at this moment shields you. A burglar en route to your house has a flat tire. A drunk driver runs out of gas before your car passes his. If God is our guardian, you ask, why do bad things happen to us? Well, you and God may have a different definition for the word bad. He's not only read your story, he wrote it. His perspective is different and his purpose is clear. God uses struggles to toughen our skin. What matters most is this. You will never face a challenge without receiving his help. This is Max Locato. All right, we are having a little bit of technical difficulty connecting with Pastor Anthony Carter. Um, the book is Dying to Speak, Meditations from the Cross, and um, it's so good. I'm, uh, I'm tempted to go ahead and talk with you about it. Uh, we'll continue to see if we can connect with Pastor Carter. Um, when you think about last words, what comes to mind? When you think about last words, who comes to mind or what comes to mind? Um, one of the illustrations that is offered in the uh, in the introduction to the book um, is the is are the dying words of a person that I dare say none of us had ever heard of before May the twenty fifth, twenty twenty. And yet, when I say when I repeat his last words, I can't breathe. You know immediately of whom I speak. I can't breathe. You know those are the last words of George Floyd. Last words um, can have a real lasting impact. They can certainly make a lasting impression. Um, When we look at the life of Jesus, we have, you know, many words. We don't have all the words spoken by Jesus. Uh, John tells us that if everything that Jesus said and did was to have been written down, the world would not be big enough to contain the books that would have to be written. And so what we have are a sampling. But we do trust that in these words from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, here is your son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
we trust that in these last words spoken by Jesus from the cross, that we have a um, a comprehensive list. Why? Well, because his disciples were present. Lots of people were present. You know, in, in, in terms of crucifixions, the crucifixion of Jesus was nothing special um, because crucifixion was was how the Romans uh, put seditionists to death. Um, but we also know that the crucifixion of Jesus was the most remarkable thing that ever happened in all of human history. Jesus may have died in a very common way, but the words that he spoke from the cross and what he accomplished upon and through the cross um, are anything but ordinary. So the book um, is Dying to Speak, Meditations from the Cross, uh, and um, we have copies to give away. So if you're looking for a devotional, an opportunity to walk with Jesus on the way of the cross, um, you know, consider texting the word book to 877-933-2484. I'm going to read the, uh, I'm going to read the introduction, or I'm not going to read the whole introduction. I'm going to read the opening of the book because it's, it's that good. The preacher reminds us in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2, for everything there is a season, a time to be born, and a time to die. Death is the inevitable consequence of being alive in this world. In fact, the Bible tells us that death is an appointment we all must keep sooner or later. As true as this is for each of us, it was never more true than in the life of Jesus Christ. Literally and thankfully, Jesus was born to die. During the years for which we have an account of Jesus' life, we see that everything he did and everywhere he went pointed to his death on the cross. Ironically, the agony and the shame of the cross was the culmination of a life well lived, a life lived in submission and obedience to the will of God. Gloriously, the life of Christ was for the dying. There were no random events or incidental conversations or accidental encounters. The deliberate way in which Christ lived his life was amazing. His purpose was clear, his vision focused, his mind singularly consumed. From the cradle, he was heading to the cross. The path was already set before him. There was no doubt. He was going to walk the road ordained for him, even though it was the path marked with the severity of sin, sin not his own, but ours. And amazingly, he willingly and joyfully walked it. When you consider every step that Jesus took, um, This is Carmen again, not reading from the book. Um, When you consider every step that Jesus took along the path of his life, um, from the cradle to the cross, he lived intentionally in full submission and in willing agreement with the will of the Father. And that is, if you're looking for a pattern, if you're looking for Jesus to provide a pattern, that's the pattern. If you're looking for Jesus to, 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 to provide a pattern for living, if you're just looking for, you know, a guy in whose footsteps to follow, follow in those. Um, but Jesus' death um, accomplishes that which no other um, sacrifice could accomplish. And so when we read the words of Jesus on the cross, um, we need to, you know, recognize they're not accidental, they're not casual, they're not arbitrary, his words were intentional, and his words had, you know, redemptive significance. So, so all right, and we now, um, we've got joining us now, Pastor Anthony Carter, one of the co-authors of Dying to Speak, Meditations from the Cross. Anthony, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. 
Ah, well, good morning, Carmen. So glad and appreciative that you would have me on. Absolutely. It's a it's a joy to have you here today. Um, yeah. We have we have just spent um, a few minutes actually reading the opening paragraphs of the introduction from the book. And I believe we've arrived at the place where we're ready for you to um, walk with us into some of these last words. Um, and wow. so and so if you'll just um, trust me that I have set it up well, um, why, <laughs> why does Jesus say and why does it matter that he that he leads off with um, forgiveness? Well, that is an as an excellent question. Um, you know, the reason that Jesus came um, into the world is to forgive his people of his sin of their sins. Right, Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, verses uh, verse twenty one, and um, all that Jesus did and all that Jesus said um, was to that end. And so, how appropriate and how informative and powerful that as he comes to the end uh, of his earthly life and he is on the cross, he is so conscious of the fact that um, accomplishing the mission for which he's been sent by Heavenly Father is that he would um, accomplish the forgiveness of, um, of our sins. And then the first thing that we have recorded of him saying as he is um, you know, being crucified is, uh, Father, forgive them uh, for they know not what they do. And, and so it reminds us that from beginning to end, Jesus was uh, perfectly aware of who he was and what the Father had sent him to do. And the fact that um, in accomplishing that mission, um, he had perfectly fulfilled the Father's will. All right, Pastor uh, Carter and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment about dying to speak. If you would like to enter the drawing for the copies we have available right now, this is a pastoral, theological, devotional look at our Savior's uh, final seven sayings on the cross. Just text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. We need a strong God. Yeah. We need the real God. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Anthony Carter, the book is Dying to Speak, Meditations from the Cross. We're looking at the, the Savior's final seven sayings. Um, when, we look at, uh, when we look at these words, when we look at this list of, uh, of sayings, we really have an understanding of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And, um, you know, Everything that Jesus did, right, he did intentionally, um, whether uh, from the very first miracle of turning uh, water into wine um, to the raising of Lazarus, um, even to his final meetings with his disciples, um, and then on, on to his passion and um, his, his sacrifice upon the cross. Everything he did was intentional. And therefore, it is it is so important that we understand that every word that he spoke um, had that same sense of purpose, even to the last. And so these seven saints bring to completion uh, upon uh, before his uh, resurrection, the last words that Jesus said, and they were just as purposeful and impactful and important to our redemption as were his first words. And so when we you know, when we hear Jesus saying these words, um, there is, there's a call that requires a response. And um, I appreciate that the chapter titles are, um, 
are in the imperative. Be forgiven, be saved, be loved, be reconciled, be refreshed, be complete, be satisfied. Um, Talk about that, because I think that's going to be a surprise to people. Yeah, you know, um, God doesn't require us to be anything except for who we are in Christ. And that is so important uh, that that we understand that, that all that God requires for us, from us, he has provided for us in Jesus. And so uh, Jesus has accomplished our forgiveness. And so now the Lord says, now trust Christ that you are forgiven, be forgiven, live, forgive, live a forgiven life, and therefore go and forgive others. Uh, he says, um, you know, Christ was forsaken for us, that thereby we can be reconciled to God. And now that we are reconciled to God, God says, okay, now live reconciled lives. And not only are you reconciled to me, but now you are ambassadors of reconciliation. Now you are to seek to be reconcilers in a world uh, that is at enmity with each other, in a world that is... Um, at enmity with God, we are to be ambassadors. We are calling people to be reconciled to God. And then also um, we are those who are reconciling um, people to each other. And you see this in all of the seven uh, seven saints. Um, each of them is something that Jesus accomplished for us. God wants us to live in light of that which Christ has accomplished and then go and live lives where we are demonstrating and accomplishing that to other people. So um, one of the conversations that we had uh, just a few minutes ago, um, we, we've been talking with Justin Gibney in the, in the first mm-hmm. half of, of this hour, um, just oh, okay. about, the black, about the black church. We talked about the PBS series, talked about the Pew Research. And then we also talked about, you know, white folks just going to visit a, a predominantly African-American congregation. Um, mm-hmm. So dispel the fear that someone might have um, who has never set foot in a church <laughs> that has a black pastor and or is predominantly black. Just invite folks to come. Yeah, yeah, that is that is awesome. You know, um, and uh, Justin is a friend and I really appreciate the, the work that he's doing. And, uh, you know, historically, it is important to understand that. Uh, the predominantly African-American church has been a very welcoming place. I mean, um, whenever you have, if anybody has ever gone to a uh, predominantly black church, they know that the people there have always had their doors open. It's always welcomed others, um, uh, those who are, do not necessarily look like them, but they have always felt a sense of welcome and invite. And that is the first thing that you'll probably experience is that it is a very welcoming place. Um, it is a very joyful place. Uh, it, is a, it is a reverent place, uh, but it is a place where uh, the people are, are rejoicing and uh, the people uh, love the Lord. And I, I wholeheartedly um, encourage anyone who has never been to a predominantly black church, that they would um, experience that because it would remind them, one, um, that in Christ we are not different. The joy of the Lord um, is not limited by our ethnicity or by the color of our skin. Um, And that Christ, when he died upon the cross, he died so that we might be one. And he has... um, not only ordained that, he has accomplished that, 
and he has commanded us to be that. And uh, by doing that, by by availing yourself to the opportunities to fellowship with brothers and sisters who may not necessarily look like you, um, you will be once again demonstrating uh, that for which Christ died, uh, that we would be one. And you will find that um, there is not that much that really separates us at all. That's exactly right. So I want to invite people, um, if you don't even know, like, where to check where to check somebody out online and see what's mm-hmm. going on and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Go to E point church, E the letter E point church.org. That's where you will find um, pastor Anthony Carter. That's where you will find the East point church. It's a community of believers. Um, you can engage yeah. right there. You can get the link to their Facebook page where they are live streaming their worship services. Um, yes. And it's a, it's an opportunity to check it out. Like, I know that some of you have texted in this morning and you're like, I'd feel so weird. It'd be so awkward. And I'm just like, well, then go online and experience it online. Um, my other recommendation, right. Anthony, and let's see if this resonates. Find something that the church is doing outside of Sunday morning um, and go mm-hmm. and participate. Go, you know, do do something with them. It might be picking up trash in the downtown corridor. I got no idea. But people right. are out there doing stuff. Right. So join right. in delivering food, taking people to vaccination appointments, like whatever, join in something that's already happening in the life of that congregation. That way you can meet some people and you got somebody to sit with when we do get back to in-person worship. (laughs) That's an excellent idea, Carmen. Um, You know, and it might not be as easy nowadays because, um, you know, of the restrictions and things and the limits that people have on the uh, ministry that they are doing. But um, there are opportunities out there. And in your local area, uh, there are predominantly Black churches that are seeking, in spite of all that is going on uh, in our world, seeking still to do uh, the work of the ministry, still seeking to be good neighbors. And uh, if you if you want to, if you're really um, excited to do so, I'm sure you can find um many opportunities to engage with those people um, apart from the uh, Sunday morning service. And and whether wh- whether you meet them in other places, whether you meet them at, at work or at school or uh, uh, just out in society and, and uh, any of your friends, it is important just to engage them. And I am sure that if you met, um, you know, Black Christians apart from um, Sunday morning, they would be delighted to welcome you and to make you feel welcome at their church. All right. There you go. Um, I have a friend uh, who is white who had a PBS, the black church watch party. They did it online and then oh, they wow. had a little, like little zoom discussion afterwards. Like, well, where do you go to church? Well, what is that like? How does this line up with your experience? Like, just to get to know each other a little bit better. So right. Um, right. even the culture is providing us opportunities for conversation. Um, Anthony, what a joy to uh, meet you in this way today. Thank you so much for what yes. you do um, at the East Point Church. Thank you for the book, Dying to Speak, Meditations from the Cross. If you're listening right now and you want to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Anthony, what a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. appreciate it. God bless. Likewise. We'll be right back. All right. I don't know about you, but days like today, days like yesterday, pretty much every day, I just find myself thinking, you know, God has got some really good people. I I love the opportunity to meet new brothers and sisters in Christ um, for the way that Paul 
Perot does such excellent work lining people up for us to talk with. Thank you, brother. Oh, like, that's awesome. All right. Hey, tell people who's coming on tomorrow what we're celebrating. Oh, um, well. Billy Russell. I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking <laughs> oh, about Billy oh, Russell. Oh, Billy Russell, yes. A uh, friend of ours. Uh, I've known him for a while. He's a pastor here in the Twin Cities of uh, Great, uh, Greater Friendship. Missionary Baptist Church. He's retiring, but he has a long history in the civil rights movement and just a great guy. And hope to talk to him tomorrow. Around about this time, just before this time. So So get your party hats. Yes. Because we're going to do a little celebration. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.